Welcome to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast with me, Bradley Skeynes. And me, Matthew Murray-Downing. This podcast is all things Formula One and sports performance, fitness, health, and injury. We will be discussing the physical and mental components of Formula One, the drivers, and every circuit race by race as the season goes on, broken up with insight and knowledge in how to train, recover, and rehab like an elite level athlete. And we'll even bring along some special guests for the ride. For more information, you can find us at Elite Formula PT on socials. Hello, and welcome back to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast. And we've had a little break. I'm struggling to say the sentence, but we are Constructors Champions, so here we are, Matt. Yeah, it's late in the season now, the fatigue's <laughs> kicking in, for us anyway. Champagne, but, actually, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, great result. The, the, the Constructors locked up nice and early, some big team celebrations with the looks of it that looked good. Yeah, it was nice. It's always a nice one to win because you celebrate, you know, as the whole team and, and you know, we, we've obviously won drivers' championships in the past, constructors as well, but yeah, the the whole team is so invested in the constructors' championship and, you know, it takes so much over the years of planning and preparation that it was, yeah, it was a, a great result. Mm, yeah, and a nice opportunity to say, I think it's a, to, to celebrate independently of a drivers' championship is quite nice as well, as you say, because there's so many people involved, both trackside but also back at you know back at Milton Keynes and whatnot there's just so many people behind the scenes that you know it's an opportunity for them to get a bit of recognition and for the hard work and and what's gone over the years so no awesome achievement do it on the bounce yeah you think you know we've got 2,000 people working uh for for Red Bull Racing so it's yeah credit to them for delivering a great car credit to trackside team for delivering great performances engineers driver the the whole lot comes into play there i actually wrote a new blog up on our website eliteformulapt.com about what it takes to become a constructors champion in in formula one and for me there was there were six key points there you know you have to have that team dynamic and collaboration everyone has to be working together that technical expertise and innovation because you you've got to have the car at the end of the day so you know even the best driver in the world can't drive a a bad car, as it were, although I'm sure he'd try. Number three, you've got to have that driver talent and performance. Number four, strategic planning, both from a, you know, development phase in terms of, okay, planning for next year and so on and so forth. But then also that race management um, on, on the weekends. Continuous improvement and learning, something we know all about, but also in developing the car. Those who win the development race do very well. And then obviously the the resource management and financial stability. So yeah, if you if you want to know more about what it takes to win a constructors championship, check out that blog. Six key points there, um, and I dive in a little bit deeper on on all of those in in the blog itself. But it takes a lot. Mm, yeah, it's fascinating. And as you say, I think not enough people probably look at Formula One in that respect. I think it's very easy in other sports to look at that. You know, we think about football, and people are very keen to look at the manager and the backroom staff as well as then the team on the pitch and how they need that all to be in you know, synchronicity in order for that to work well. And often in Formula 1, we're very quick to look at the driver and the car. But actually, you're right, those different elements that need to come together beautifully <laughs> in order for that to kind of be seamless. And we've seen it in so many teams in the past. You know, Mercedes being a great example, you know, we could look at, well, what's gone wrong for Mercedes in the last years because they've got some fantastic elements. Um, yeah. But, you know, if it doesn't quite come together or we're missing something, 
um, put the best driver in the world in a car, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to deliver results. So no, yeah, it's really interesting to kind of look at those different points. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the performance coach plays a, a huge, huge part of that as well. So <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 0. 0.7. <laughs> yeah, to be continued. <laughs> and um, so obviously we won the Constructors' Championship, but the Japanese Grand Prix as a, as a whole, it was eventful. Yeah, absolutely. Like we kind of, Semi-predict in the sense of the technicality of the track. It was a it was a really really interesting Grand Prix from start to finish. There was some real interesting technical elements. There was crashes, drama at the beginning, drama mid to the end part of the race, and even the last few laps. It was a, it delivered a lot. Really good to see. I think a lot of the recent races have been criticised for being a bit boring, but this one had a bit of everything. So it was yeah, really epic race. Red Bull delivered well, but great to see McLaren again delivering really consistent results with Lando. Um, um, and with Oscar so no, brilliant brilliant weekend yeah yeah great weekend for, for him and yeah I think you're right The last, uh, particularly the last two races have had so much um, in terms of offering for, for the race itself and I, I think we're seeing you know a, a real closing up of the teams behind aren't we the um, race by race you know McLaren Mercedes Ferrari you don't know who's going to be there or who's going to be fighting who so it's making it very exciting. Mm. And it's interesting, I think it probably comes back to the point you just raised there about what do you need to be a successful team? And, and you know, because you know, the drivers are improving through the season. A lot of the drivers on the grid at the minute are pretty experienced drivers across the grid. So it makes you sort of think, yeah, you're absolutely right, is that gap is closing down because often teams are finding those little bits of time or they're working more seamlessly and all those little elements are coming together to make a package that is quicker and more efficient. Uh, and as you say, that gap closes down. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, particularly these last tail end of the season. As you say, it's really hard to predict who's going to be where. As you say, the teams are closing up. That there's really three or four teams now that could be anywhere near that 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 top step. So yeah, it's getting more and more interesting. Absolutely, and uh, so we've got six races to go. We head to Qatar, flying tomorrow, and it's our first opportunity to wrap up the drivers' championship as well. And Qatar is. Um, we went there obviously in 21 uh we didn't go there last year because the the football world cup was on so but i think we're, we're back there for the next eight or nine years i think they signed a, a big contract maybe not at the same circuit but this lasalle circuit is it's well loved by the drivers they really like to to drive uh, drive it so yeah what what do you make of the of the circuit Matt? yeah so it's an interesting circuit so originally it was designed uh, as a motorcycle racing track mm. hence why the the kind of design of it is very flowy it is a super super fast track predominantly say high to kind of medium speed corners throughout the track there's nothing really that's that low speed but it's super flowy so it's a really good opportunity for the drivers to absolutely max these cars out it's pretty standard length, about 5.4 kilometers, so pretty standard lengthwise, and it's made up of 16 corners. Technically, it's not nothing too huge to report. There's a series of left and rights, a few chicanes in there, but it, yeah, super fast circuit. The straight is enormous, so there would definitely be some overtaking there. There um, was a lot in 21, actually, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a, yeah. a lot of opportunity to overtake. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting track. It's a really great, I'd recommend anyone to watch, actually. It's a great onboard of the track in Qatar with Rosberg, actually, who does a lot of the, the kind of talk-through stuff. Mm. Brilliant to watch, looking through the technicalities of the circuit. Um, we're going to push these cars to the max, and there's definitely a few good overtaking zones here. So it's going to make some exciting racing, but also it's quite an interesting circuit because the drivers haven't got a lot of experience here. It's not a circuit that's been on the calendar for long, so that offers up some interesting challenges in itself. 
but yeah, it's yeah, fairly standard circuit. So not not huge technicalities to report here, other than it's going to be super fast, mm. super physical. That's one thing to bear in mind here is that having corners that are that quick mm. put a serious amount of physical demand on these drivers. There's not an opportunity for them to take a break. Every corner is going to have high g-force and big braking zone. That's it. When you see more medium and high-speed corners, that equals higher downforce which ultimately equals more physical physical stress on uh, on the driver and as you said there's there's some real kind of left right chicane through there but it's also an anti-clockwise track as well so the the drivers will feel it in the neck this weekend and uh, although there's more anti-clockwise tracks these days these drivers have spent many years and grown up racing on clockwise tracks so they always feel when they're on a, a more predominantly anti-clockwise track so i think there'll be a few uh a few sore necks by the end of the mm. end of the weekend or you know just starting to starting to feel it and it's interesting. i look at the forecast of the weekend it looks hot 39 degrees i think was forecast pretty much every day so it's gonna be up there with one of the hottest races of the year i don't know if you've got up to that so. temperature yet i don't think so no no singapore and japan were warm and and humid but definitely not not that sort of temperature probably more akin to what miami was not this year but last year I guess the only benefit we'll have is racing at night. It takes away some of that solar heating. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really hot. I think the cold pool will be coming out again, which you know we we tend to only use for a couple of races a year, but it's certainly becoming a bit more bit more used now. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, the other thing people have to bear in mind is obviously track temps as well can can be interesting, despite what you might see forecast wise. You know, when you're if anyone's ever stood in a pit lane or on the grid, actually, that the, the heat that kicks up off the tarmac, oh, uh, you know, is, is incredible. So we had it in Barcelona at the weekend where temps were 30 degrees. It was hot, bearable, but actually you start getting onto that grid and we're starting to see kind of, you know, well up into the high 30s creeping into the 40s on track. Um, so, yeah, it makes things super difficult. But as you say, being a nighttime circuit, it does give the opportunity for track temps to cool down a little bit and start making it a little bit more bearable. Yeah, relatively late as well, 8, 8 p.m. race. Yeah. Um, also, we've got the sprint race weekend as well. So, you know, differences in the way we build for a weekend, the concentration levels needed. We're straight into quality on Friday, racing Saturday and Sunday. So it's, um, you know, a whole different mental approach to that as well. Mm, so, yeah, it's definitely going to be, say, quite taxing on the drivers from a point of, although the circuit we say is, you know, there's a series of left and right and super high speed corners, you're right. Having that ability to switch on from so early on in the weekend and maintain that focus is going to be quite challenging, particularly as it's a physical circuit. It's not an opportunity for them to have an easy, easy ride in any of those sessions. It's going to be pretty full on. Yeah, for sure. Any any big uh, corners stand out, stand out to you? So I think T1's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, At the yeah. end of the long straight, these guys are going to be at almost pretty much max speed of these cars. So I think that braking zone is going to be really, really interesting to have a little look at there. As you move around the circuit, you've got quite a sharp chicane at turn six. Another good uh, kind of turn to keep your eyes on because it's going to be quite a tricky one. And then we move into a really kind of free-flowing section through sector two. So I don't think we'll necessarily see lots of overtaking in sector two, but it's a nice kind of uh, section to watch. And then really, I think the other bit that's going to be really interesting is you come out of T14 through 15 and 16. We've got the DRS zone there. So again, you're probably going to see some opportunity to get some overtakes in there. But again, super high-speed corner tough to absolutely nail but yeah should be a really interesting kind of section coming into the, the main straight again but yeah no as a, as a circuit i think the big one for me is going to be watching after that main straight i think that's where probably where we're going to see most of our overtakes happen after that drs mm. zone coming into turn 16. yeah and like we said before with the higher speeds and the higher downforce there's a lot of corners that are over 4g's on on the neck throughout that i mean that turn one gets over 5g's 
and then you've got that kind of left right right through six to nine and then as you said through 13 to 15 as well all over four g's of uh of force on the neck so it's going to be a, a taxing one for for the drivers there yeah absolutely yeah so i think it's going to be interesting to see those drivers that might struggle physically and particularly in the longer races you know uh, the sprint race obviously yeah, it's a little bit shorter and therefore favors that little bit more aggressive driving style but as we see the longer race it'd be interesting and after the weekend that they would have had with the race the previous day as there's going to be some sore heads so it would be interesting to see whether we see any mistakes start creeping into the race particularly the latter part of um the circuit yeah uh, at the end of the race yeah, that coupled with the heat and if there's any uh, fatigue from, from the physical element as well, then, uh, yeah, if we see some mistakes in the last 10 to 15, uh, 15 laps, we can probably uh, hazard a guess as to, as to why. Yeah, and I guess similarly also, I think to mention this one, as we said before, it's going to be a night race. So we looked at it a little bit previously in some of the other pods we've done around uh, Bahrain and some of the other night circuits, you know, the, the lights as an added factor here in terms of from an optical point of view is going to be really challenging you know cognitively it's going to be very very difficult they're going to be fatigued trying to spot braking zones trying to spot apexes and have the element of, of track lights can be really really challenging and also super fatiguing away from the physical side of things yeah they've got a, a full-on lighting system and I, I think i see from some of the, the videos on instagram you know there's so many more screens everywhere you know advertising this and that and having different sort of flashing light elements uh, around will be um yeah especially around a fast track as well all you're seeing is kind of lights going either side you know some of those um helmet cams really uh really highlight that quite well yeah, I think that helmet cam view has been revolutionary for people to watch. I think it was Alonso was one of the first clips that really kind of came home in the beginning of this year when they watched that onboard of him and just showing you the, the lack of visibility, how quick things are changing. You're right, you add lights into the mix and it's it's really quite overwhelming. Um, visor choice is a really interesting one for night races. Mm -hmm. You know, how dark do we go? Um, as you say, a lot of drivers, you'll see people often ask, oh, it's nighttime, why have they got a tinted visor on? Whereas we're just trying to create a little bit of protection from that brightness. Um, but it's definitely a decision that is something we communicate regularly with the drivers is whether we go for a kind of a medium tint or a dark tint. There's a little bit of personal preference in there and kind of how sensitive someone is to light, but it can be a tricky decision. Yeah, no, it's interesting because uh, when I first started in a night race, they would always use a clear visor, fully clear. And then we got some some visors through that were they were rain visors originally, but tinted. So there was four if if it was raining, but crossover between sun and you know you couldn't quite get the the weather right. But a clear one wouldn't have been good in the the light conditions, even if it was raining. And um, yeah, I we just thought, hang on a minute, this might be uh, very useful for these night races it was in saudi when we had the lots of advertising boards around a very fast track and we trialed it out and uh it was really really effective and so we always use a we call it a clear tinted visor for um for night races now it's been quite um quite revolutionary really in terms of helping with with the vision and any you know headachey type symptoms that that might be caused from spending a lot of time racing around with flashing lights in your eyes yeah absolutely and and, and for those who've never driven at night i've certainly never driven with a helmet and on a racetrack like that but i guess the feeling that the drivers experience or report is something similar to what you might do if you're driving at night 
into oncoming traffic with the lights mm. and you might start to feel some of that sort of visual fatigue that you start to get or even soreness around the eyes and headache symptoms as you say so yeah. that's really sometimes what we're you just can't even see no, yeah, <laughs> absolutely so um, yeah definitely something interesting and again the other added complexity for you guys this weekend in particular with max is that we've got a chance to wrap up the driver's championship which well, i guess is a bit of pressure there in terms of trying to deliver some results if my calculations are correct i could be wrong you need just to win on saturday you need to finish sixth or higher mm. it pairs outside the top six and even if you were to DNF the sprint race, my understanding is you need just three points in the main race in order to seal the seal the championship. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to seal it out this weekend, and um, yeah, it can be done in uh, in the sprint race. So hopefully we can do it on Saturday, have a nice dinner in the evening, and um, and then go out and win the race on Sunday as well. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting. <laughs> I guess in terms of your approach or chats with Max around kind of how you prepare, I know we had something similar at the weekend, and 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 my general take in this scenario is just to try and I guess focus on those similarities that the job is not changed you, you, the focus of red bull or whatever team we're working with all year is to maximize points from every round deciding on our level of risk that we're prepared to take at that point in the season and then matching those two together i guess so similar would apply for you guys this weekend i guess you've got actually i guess not too much risk you can push within reason where you're comfortable but still at the same time just going out there doing what he does every weekend and delivering a good good performance as he possibly can yeah, for sure. Habits and routine are, are everything. It's the way we've it's the way we've lived our life for for the last four four years together. So we we don't approach anything any anything differently. You know, we'll have the same food and drink. We'll have the same race preparation, and we'll have the same foresight in that. You know, we're going out to try and win this race with, and you know the the fact that it can be wrapped up. I'm I'm sure is in in the back of the mind, but probably less so than last year and and most definitely less so than the year before because there's going to be many opportunities to to kind of do it but we're both of the mindset the the sooner the better you yeah. know we want this wrapped up we want it done and then we can uh focus on the next race and, and the focus on the next race will be exactly the same as well you know we're going to go out and try and win that race and and the same goes for all six of them so yeah sorry everyone else we're we're, <laughs> we're still uh we're still feeling it <laughs> yeah it's, it's absolutely and it's just trying to keep that flow state going again isn't it as you say it's trying to keep that momentum and try and focus on relevant stimuli i guess as you say it's hard to not think about these things it's going to be another championship it's a huge achievement winning that next championship is going to put him amongst a few well few legends of the the formula one world you know winning that many that many title championships so but at the same time it's focusing on what's relevant for that weekend and although the result is nice and it will definitely be there in the mind it's it's focusing on what's the job to do in the in quali you know, living as good a time as we can and in the sprint race keeping it clean and scoring points yeah yeah for sure and i mean he's going to enjoy that circuit as well you know it's a it's a fun circuit to drive it's commented that before and uh yeah it's um hopefully we can we can have a good weekend and um get home enjoy a week at home before we we hit the long trip and and uh try and uh try and win some more races yeah absolutely i think it's going to be an interesting race and um as you say a lot of teams closing up so it'll be interesting to see who delivers i think the the, the fitter amongst the drivers are definitely going to deliver for sure um but i think also some of the packages of cars haas williams that have been quite quick and perhaps a little bit less technical, also potentially might be into the mix as well. So okay. a good opportunity for those drivers, I think, to come through. Nice. Very good. Well, we'll see uh, see what happens this weekend. We'll wrap that up there. Looking forward to the Qatar Grand Prix and our first attempt at the 
drivers championship the the third one at that so thank you all for listening uh we'll be back next week to recap the race and i think we'll dive into a little bit of knee pain next week my knee pain is getting much much better and we're back to to running some long distances so let's uh let's have a good chat about that get into some physio stuff as we have a week off racing next week but until then let's enjoy the qatar grand prix Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll uh, catch up next week. You have been listening to the Elite Formula PT podcast with Bradley Skeynes and Matthew Murray Downing. You can follow us on socials at Elite Formula PT or sign up on the app at EliteFormulaPT.com. Please follow, subscribe. And if you enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now. Be sure to tune in for the next episode and thank you for listening.